the best short films for lifelong learning, recommended by teachers for teachers. This is Short Films Teachers Love, with your host, Richard Lee. I'm delighted today to introduce my guest whose love of short film as a resource is close to my own, but from a slightly different angle, where psychology meets storytelling. As a psychologist, she has worked with individuals, case managing people with mental illness and disability through to AFL athletes, um, that is Australian rules, football, and executive coaching. As a consumer psychologist, she's helped develop brands and strategy in a range of industries and continuing her work as an educator uh, with an emphasis on wellness and thriving. She runs workshops that explore the human condition, what it means to flourish and be authentic using film and narrative structure on what often gets billed as film as therapy. Now, if the length of my introduction is anything to go by, we're in for a long and rich discussion. <laughs> Anna Vox, welcome to Short Films Teachers Love. And, hey, and, Richard, thank you for having me. No worries. And what, tell me about this fascination that you have with film and psychology. Where did it come from? Oh, gosh. Do you know where it started? It started uh, on a program called Countdown, which you'll know, uh, with Molly Meldrew on EABC, which I grew up with as a kid and I loved it. And I think that's when I first sort of drew parallels between the idea of storytelling and um, sort of the human condition, I guess. And I was fascinated by the fact that these sort of rock stars would sit next to Molly on this couch and be interviewed and their body language would be all kind of closed off and, you know, pop starish and sort of shut down and they'd have their sunnies on and they'd be kind of really uber cool. And then you'd see their film clip and they were sort of singing about all of life and life's big topics, you know. They were very, very human topics like grief and loss and love and hope and, and all the big stuff. And I think um, I remember feeling as a kid that that we, we had it around the wrong way, that um, the when they were sort of being themselves on the couch, uh, they were really closed off. But when they were performing and when they were storytelling, they were actually really open to, to the human condition and I remember thinking this is how we learn what it is to be human and what it is to expect and, um, you know, what sort of human heart goes through, I guess, is through song and through story because we're not very good at talking about it with yeah. each other. And then as I went through secondary school, I realised that I sort of loved psychology but I never let go of this love of storytelling so I just did whatever I could everywhere I went to combine the two. Yeah. yeah. One, of, one of the comments you made about some of the work you did was um, your fascination with where film lands in the brain and why it sticks. So yeah. where does it land? <laughs> yeah, that's a, really, that's a really good point. So I did sort of psychophysiology at uni, which is uh, really about the, the body and the brain and, and how they interact with each other. So I used to sort of sit people in front of films with, you know, EEGs on and, and sort of see which parts of the brain lit up and that sort of stuff. And I was always really fascinated from a, um, a kind of physiological perspective because um, we know that storytelling lands emotionally as well as rationally, I guess. So I was always quite interested in in some of the more rational aspects that could be measured. Um, but we, we know that there's sort of a mirror neuron system, I guess, that's fired up. Um, it's, it's referred to as the mirror system in, in sort of storytelling. And there's an evolving science around neurocinematics that sort of taps into where stories really evoke the mirror system in us, which sort of means that we can, 
really empathise, I guess, with what characters and protagonists are going through. And sometimes film can, if it's constructed well, um, it can feel as though um, something that a character is going through, we're going through ourselves, albeit within the safety of the cinema seat. So it's, to me, it's sort of a way of, of riding the wave, I guess, of, of our emotional bandwidth, of being reminded of, you know, how broadly we can feel and to sort of not sit in the little slipstream in the middle, um, but knowing that you're safe at the end of the day. And so what's the one thing in, in your work as a psychologist who aims to train people, I guess, how to think in many ways, don't you? That's, that's what you're educating, using film as a tool often, or that's what I'm picking up. What's the one thing that you really want people to learn above all? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I suppose I just I use the film in sort of different areas, I guess. So um, as a psychologist, if I'm working with anyone in a, in a psychology framework, I'm, I'm really wanting them to understand themselves more, I guess. So in that sense, it's about them understanding what's authentic for them, I guess. So I come from a, um, a sort of a CBT training, uh, which is cognitive behavioural therapy training, and I work a lot in an area now that's sort of advanced and it's called ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy. So that's a lot about um, understanding your values, um, connecting with the present moment sort of through mindfulness, um, understanding what thoughts you're having that are holding you back. And I just find that a lot of people... Uh, can explore that very, very easily by projecting through someone else's sort of story. Um, and you can you can jump in quite deeply and quite quickly with clients when you're actually bouncing off the stories and the experiences of protagonists. So I guess when I'm using film, it's, um, it's coming from a, a belief that when a film or a song, um, you know, gets cut through, you know, when you, when you feel it, there's a reason for that. It's, it's, it's uncovering something about you. So any time that you're sort of moved by art, I guess, there's a reason. So it's either um, shedding a light on what you value or it's um, shedding a light on something that you perhaps have a grief about or some anger about or, or a lot of joy about. But if art moves you, there's, there's generally a reason for that, I guess. And that's the reason why some films go straight past us and others really hit home and it's a connection, I guess, between the storytellers and, and the audience. So I sort of um, tap in on that and, and, we, and we spark the conversations there. Mm. Let's um, talk about the films. Let's start with Strictly Ballroom. Oh, to pick what was actually wrong with the steps, you'd have to be an experienced professional, like myself, or Federation President Barry Fife. Barry Fife. Well... Of course, you can dance any steps you like. That doesn't mean you'll win. I can't remember how many years ago I saw this, but I, but but I'd forgotten how much of a comedy it was, and I I love that opening sequence because it beautifully sets up the characters and the, and the kind of parody of Australian life that was happening at the time with films like Muriel's Wedding, um, and I think Bill Hunter actually stars in both. There's lots of lovely things that people say about it, and it's great that it's online on YouTube um, with with that Australian movie channel too. So how do you use this um, as a tool in your work? Well, Strictly Ballroom is um, one of my favourite films ever. But a lot of what I do in the, um, I guess, the kind of teaching or the workshop work is I touch on, well, I go, you know, relatively deep really into the work of Joseph Campbell and the work around the monomyth and um, and what's come to be 
become known as the hero's journey. So I use different films, I guess, to plot and plan out that hero's journey. You know, I, I try not to get caught up in the semantics of it because I know that there's a lot of um, reluctance to the idea of a, of a sort of one narrative structure being found in lots of different films. Um, but if you sort of go back from that and just look at Joseph Campbell's work around mythology and storytelling and how storytelling sort of shed light, sheds light on the human condition, um, I still generally find some aspects of that monomyth in, in every film I've seen. Most ads even. Um, they certainly don't cover it all or all in perfect order, but it's there sort of somehow and um, it's often there in snippets or, or storytellers now may sort of shake up and change the order of it a bit. But the mm-hmm. idea of just being exposed to someone's ordinary world, I guess, and then stepping beyond into some sort of new existence and learning a lot about themselves and the world um, and coming up against sort of lots of trials and then and growing and coming back, you know, sort of returning with this new added insight um, works beautifully with the work I do with psychology. Yeah. And um, the reason why I love Strictly Ballroom is because it's it's uh, one of the first films that I'm aware of where the the writer being Baz, um, who co- co-wrote the, screen, the screenplay, after he had written a, um, a, a play, actually, when he was a NIDA student, it's a 40-minute play version of Strictly Ballroom. Um, and when he was at NIDA as a student, he was really interested in the monomyth and the work of Joseph Campbell at the time. But he was curious as to whether... Um, we could turn this hero's journey inwards, I guess. The hero's journey had traditionally been about saving the world. It had sort of been about heroes. Um, you know, Star Wars is the most famous example where George Lucas literally plotted out Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. And Luke Skywalker was kind of always an upstanding um you know, kind of citizen. He was always a pretty cracking bloke. He just went and did this amazing thing and he had, you know, fear and he had uh, reluctance, of course, but he sort of pushed through. Whereas uh, what Baz was interested in doing was saying, well, what happens when we don't talk about galaxies and, and, you know, the force and we just talk about a kid who wants to have (laughs) steps in a regional town Mm -hmm. in Australia, Mm -hmm. which is, which Baz was was apparently uh, raised in a, in a rural town in New South Wales and his mum was a dance teacher. So Strictly Ballroom to me is this great example of a hero's journey that doesn't have to be about um, a big outward step. It's just about being your authentic self. And that's a lot of the work that I do is that at the end of the day, you know, this inward facing hero's journey is really just about what stage of it, you know, what stage in our lives do we all just sort of step into our authentic self and, and do what it is that's most important to us, where our values kind of point us and guide us. And Strictly is a cracking film to to sort of uncover that story. Yeah. yeah. I'm also interested, I guess, too, in how you do use that. So is it something that you say, go away and watch this to people, or do you watch a snippet, or how do you sort of execute the, the using this film as a tool in, in what you're doing and how you're relating to people? Yeah, sure. So when I'm working with anyone sort of one-on-one, it's almost a prescription, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, So in working with sort of executive coaching, you do sort of get to prescribe films or you uncover with um, the person you're working with what sort of topics and themes they'd like to explore and then you can offer a list of films that sort of sit across a few different genres 
where a key theme is is kind of that character strength, for example, um, whether it be humour or whether it be sort of spirituality or whether it be um, acceptance or, you know, hope or whatever it is that a person's really wanting to sort of unpack a little bit more. And then they can obviously guide themselves and, and find a film that sort of sits in a genre that speaks to them. And, and often that's where it starts coming out, what films they have loved and why and what they related to and, and why that was. Have so, you got any examples of that? Like I'm just fascinated with you sort of prescribing a film and then someone coming back and going, oh, that was grabbing you and, you know, or like you know, what sort of responses do you have? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, um, well, it's interesting. There's a, there's a, um, a fantastic couple of books by a, a, a fellow by the name of Ryan Nemec who's um, a... I believe he's a psychologist by trade, um, but he's also a mad lover of film. So every year he writes blogs on the character strengths that are found in all the Oscar nominations, for example. Um, and and I, I'm similar to him in that I do try and work with films that um, have some sort of critical acclaim but also some box office success. I think, you know, film as therapy sort of sessions aren't really about um, you know, film snobbery, for lack of a better word, or throwing around titles that people don't know. It's actually about um, some of the themes that are in really well-made but, but you know, relatively accessible, um, you know, storytelling. And, pop, and, and accessible culture too, so that we all know it. And, yeah, yeah, accessible yeah. culture because, yeah. of course, those sorts of contextual sort of surroundings are all really relative and relevant, sorry, to the work that I do. So, um, yeah, so how does it work? Well, I suppose in the one-on-one sessions, yeah, it's sort of like a prescription where we'll sit down and we'll identify some films and, and Ryan Nemec's written a great book called Positive Psychology at the Movies, which you might be interested in, um, which uh, sort of, you know, under each of the – there's 24 kind of universal human character strengths that the positive psychology science has identified across cultures. And Ryan Nemec's a, a fantastic resource in that he – lists films that sit under each of those 24 kind of character strengths so yeah so we can sort of use those lists to almost prescribe some film and then people go off and and you know they they rent those films or they own those films and they watch them in their own time and come back and chat but in the film as therapy work that I do through the school of life we'll um we'll just share some some um some aspects of film we'll just sort of you know jump forward and to you know chapter eight or back to chapter two and um, share some snippets of films. We use Dead Poet Society a lot and and, um, and Strictly Ballroom. So in that setting, we'll literally, you know, watch a clip together and then we'll sort of discuss where that was in the hero's journey, what they found, what they uncovered, and then we give them some time for personal reflection where they then sort of jump to that, that um, the equivalent part of the hero's journey, I guess, in their own life and, and do some unpacking. So when they're talking about film, it's sort of shared and it's social, but when they're, when they're you know, layering that over their own life, that's still a, a private and a closed, um, you know, kind of process. Yeah, and I guess that highlights also why that works for you, that the length is not an issue. You know, I often talk to teachers who are, you know, in a class setting, which the length is an issue because there's only so much time with the students and you actually yeah, want to contain it within that, that class. So this Well, is- that brings me, yeah, so the work that we've done with, with, um, with the AFL, with the Australian Football League, uh, we use, yeah, in that we use a lot of advertisements. To me, advertisements are basically a well-made advertisements, <laughs> um, are basically a beautiful short film that just untaps values, really. They're there to really put on show the values of that business and therefore they draw in an audience that share those values. It's really about, about shared values and storytelling and something landing emotionally and not just rationally. 
Well, that's a lovely segue. Why don't we then move to the to the ads, and we'll take these as a group. Um, so you've listed. Um, let well, me listed just say, four, I think. Yeah, which you is did. Very you, you're of very cheeky. So we've got the Ship Song Project, uh, inspired by Iceland, Paralympics, and Homecoming. So 20 years later, of course it does while consciousness faded. New generations believe in them fables. Gangster boogie on two turntables. I didn't hear you leave. I wonder how am I still here? I almost don't know how to summarise these because they're so, you know, I, I wrote down, what I like to do with the film is write down just first reactions and, yeah. and because it's you only get that once, um, particularly if you haven't seen them. Um, and I just write, you know, it's kind of wow, brilliant, you know, zesty, full of life, strength, power, you know, I'm in awe, you know. There's, I, I had strong reactions to all four of these films so it's hard to kind of summarize them all but um beautiful you know beautifully produced really really well done um so perhaps uh, let, let me start with the question that i want to ask about all of these when you talk about these films with people how what do you what's the lesson that you want them to come away with um, I think the lesson is that we're, we're human beings. We're not human doings, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, every, I think people's lives are so jam-packed with doing all the time and so many people kind of, you know, hit walls living like that because they don't allow themselves to just stop and be human. And to be human is to feel um, and to process. So, you know, there's a lot of people walking around sort of trapped because they haven't um, been able to process a lot of the emotions that are inside them. And that may have been a hugely highly adaptable decision at the time or coping strategy at the time to kind of park things and, and get on with it. So I'm not at all suggesting that we want everyone being kind of, you know, highly emotional all the time. Um but there's sort of a time to perform and to push through and to get on with. And then there's a time to sort of stop and reflect and to let the feelings bubble up and to look at them square in the face and to sort of let them let them come out, I guess. And it's very, very easy to fall into the trap of not letting that happen. Even, um, uh, you know, that generations ago that possibly had a little bit more of a gender split to it, um, that it was very much unacceptable for, for men to allow that to happen and it was sort of okay for women too, whereas I feel as though we're 
we're falling into the trap of not really saying it's okay for anyone to. So, and, and, and that can be just a really simple process of just, you know, five minutes of mindfulness a day where you can just sit and be still and, and just tune into what your senses are telling you. You know, I, I do a mindful walk every morning and, and most evenings and my husband came with me just yesterday and it was hilarious. He, he just, <laughs> he did, like we, he start, we walked out and he started talking about, um, I think, the shopping list. And then he was talking about um, one, one of the kids and something that was going on there. And, and you know, it, it was just hilarious. He, he wasn't uh, just... Going, shut up, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> I actually just Slow turned down. around. You will never be allowed to come on these walks with me again. And he's like, so is it about being quiet? And I'm like, no, no, not at all. But if, if, if you're wanting to chat, let's chat. But let's chat about what our senses are telling us now. So let's chat about kind of what we can see and what we can hear and or, or how you're sort of feeling now, whereas this tendency for the human mind to be pulled and distracted, you know, either forwards in time to kind of plan or, or worry is the downside of that, um, or backwards in time to sort of regret and, and, and feel guilt and, you know, also to reminisce, you know, nicely. Um, you know, the, the human mind is a time traveller and it yeah. jumps around and, all over the place. And so. particularly now online, you know, you don't have to go far online when you're looking for something and suddenly something else will pop up and you're there and in your, you're going in so many different directions, yeah. you know. Yeah, absolutely. And our mind's designed to time travel. So um, it's a wonderful thing that it does time travel and, and I'm very careful to make sure people don't think that I'm joining dots to suggest that's not it's great it's what differentiates us from the animal kingdom is that we can kind of plan and and um and we can recall and remember and you know um it's a it's a brilliant thing um the the difficulty is when we start to lose control over when it happens so when you're trying to do something else and your mind's constantly being pulled in another direction yeah so i guess it's just the the ultimate lesson is to allow yourself to be human to allow yourself to process the emotions as they come up the, the, the good, the bad and the ugly. I'm very much into sort of, you know, emotional diversity, I guess. Um, I think there's a, there's a huge push for words around happiness and, um, you know, kind of even positive psychology is a, is a poorly understood term in that um, I practice a lot of, you know, um, aspects of positive psychology and a lot of people assume that means we're saying you should just feel good all the time. It's, it's not that at all. It's, um, it's just about understanding what makes the human flourish, what's the, the sort of flourishing, thriving condition about. And emotional diversity is a huge part of that. And I personally think that storytelling um, sparks more aha moments for people in their day-to-day life than, than most other things. So, you know, when people are like, oh, I love this song or this or that, of course it could just be the music. But often it's around the lyrics, it's around a reflection of the time in their life that that was happening. It's, you know, story just conjures up all this stuff and just reminds us to be the human beings that we are. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Let's, um, we could go on a while about that, but, uh, and and I would love to get your tips on that too for some of the advertising I do. But um, that's great. Another time. The last, uh, the last film that we want to talk about is called The Science of Character. There are 7 billion, well actually 7.1 billion humans on the planet. And each one of us has a unique character. So what determines your character? You do. And all the people around you. And of course some genetics too. 
I think I know from our conversation so far and what I know before, I, I know why you love this. And I also think it has lots of really useful things to say. But I need to fess up front that I didn't like this. I yeah. really yeah. got irritated by it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> as an educational piece, I, I mean, I've probably told you my theory of um, the educational film spectrum before, have I? About the, no. You know, the blue and the red and the green. No. No, so I'll have to, I'll, I'll, I'll post that up as well. But it's the idea that, um, you know, there's broadly, when we're using film as a tool to educate, there's broadly three areas. So, um, you know, blue is kind of the, the traffic cop, you know, the explaining, this is, this are the facts kids um green films are kind of that the persuasive so ads anything that's trying to you know yep. a lot of environmental green that's why i like to use the color green for that yeah. you know we're going to end with a we're going to buy a product we're going to join a cause we're going to do something we're going to feel something and and you know go there but the, yeah. yeah um but the, the red color the red of you know passion and blood and hearts and guts and whatever and they to me they're the exploratory films that um that go places and you get to then you go you're not sure what to make of it and you need to watch it three or four times and you know it's poetry and it's exploring an idea and you're not necessarily you know pushed to to think a certain way or you you don't even know yes. whether you've learned something but it's yes. a whole other thing where to me that that gets to the deepest learning where you're really absolutely yeah where you sort of get, you you're revisiting that same journey of the film throughout your life so i guess yeah. i was a little bit reacting to the sort of it felt a little bit sort of preachy and and a little bit arrogant in some way that this is this is how it is and this yes. is all you need to learn so it felt felt yeah. directly into that blue zone for me and to do that well i think it did do that really well i love it because it's really filmic in the way it does it and and i even love this the, i find this science of character stuff really interesting and does well but yeah. whether it was look her you know that bright red lippy and the white face i don't know it's just something that i just it just yeah. grated on me but, to Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all my baggage out of the way i'm sure yeah. it is good and and yeah. so let tell me and you know and i love the organization oh too let yeah. let it ripple it's great you know everything about yeah. it is great except that visceral reaction i have to yeah we'll see there you go see isn't that important so if you were in a focus group and i'd ask you how you feel then i would know that this is not hitting someone who sort of has your your values of, of storytelling and how you like it to land um, whereas if i'd asked you straight away what was the movie telling you then um i might give it a big green light but it's not working for you it's a great example um yeah so for me i guess that's a that's a film that we might share with audiences that we need to, um, you know, we want to work with them on character and and get them to understand um, the aspect of the positive psychology, psychology science that we're dealing with. So this one's landing more in the head than in the heart and then it's wrapping it up in some story techniques that mean it resonates and it's and it's enjoyable for a lot of people to watch but it's a it's a head it is a headpiece i think you know in this podcast we're speaking a lot to teachers and to teachers of english and of psychology i think it's really uh, a useful you know explanatory tool because it does it does unpack these ideas so well so perhaps if you could just sort of speak to the value for you know teachers in in a schooling system how it might be useful you know yeah, well, the science of character is great when before it's, if teachers ever want to go ahead and explore um, the character traits of their students. So 
in that sense. But you, you're dead right. You've hit the nail on the head when you've said it's an explanatory tool. It, it, it really is that. It really is just sort of, you know, it's like a lot of the school of life little films that pop up on, on YouTube and, and things like that. It's sort of, um, you know, it's, it is literally just sort of explaining something. But in that sense, you know, it's, it's quite interesting in that you can then, you know, jump online and you can explore all of that sort of science of character. Um, all of that science has been made freely available to, you know, anyone in the world that wants to sort of unpack and explore their character strengths. There's a lot of evidence base behind it, but some of that work can feel a little cultish for lack of a, for lack of a better word. I, I, I always have a, a, a little bit of a reluctance to sort of embrace the, you know, the, the full spectrum of sort of positive psychology being seen as something amazingly new. And a lot of positive psychologists certainly don't proclaim that, but, but a lot do. Um, it's, it's a science that has been brilliantly branded, I guess, um, and, and sort of grabs anything from all sorts of aspects of wisdom and psychology and, and pops them in a corner and says this is about sort of human flourishing. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's humanistic, it's, it's um you know, it's existentialism. It's all sorts of different fields that are that are that are sort of coming through a, a new filter, I guess. So, I understand why films like The Science of Character can sort of tap that that slight. You know, um, they can sound a little bit like they're drinking the Kool Aid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they can get a bit McHappy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I get that completely. Yeah. yeah. But as purely as an explanatory thing to say, hey, kids, we're all going to explore our character strengths and we can have a conversation about those and we can talk about how valid we feel they are and everyone can get a sense of what their sort of key character strengths are and how that leads to our resilience and how that leads to our flourishing and how you can use strengths and how you can be mindful with your strengths and let's start with this little clip that sort of explores and explains a bit of that um i think it it lands nicely in that space definitely yeah Yeah. let me wrap this up then in this way (laughs) normally the way i would um end one of those shows is to ask um my guest their earliest um moving image memory but you kind of started with that i thought i thought you mentioned the molly meldrum thing was fantastic so yeah so vividly yeah but but instead let let me go in a slightly different direction and because particularly because you you know you've raised this this topic of you know you you do workshops on the human condition which is a pretty big topic in itself it it occurred to me that you know when we're talking about where films land in the brain and all that sort of stuff you know how amazing the human brain is in what it can retain you know moments of life that we can recall images and moments of thousands of films we've seen over our lifetime emotions we've had sounds and smells and you know the what what's up here you know sometimes boggles me and just scares me sort of everybody yeah yeah. (laughs) you know what how is that how does that work and and it just leaves me with a sense of wonder about about life and you know how it is that we're all here and how that all works is just incredible so i guess i just wanted to finish with a very open question you know what gives you the greatest wonder about our our minds and and about life and everything oh wow (laughs) just a small question to to end up well disney is what i recall from my childhood um well, wow, what do I have the most awe and wonder about with regards to the human condition? Um, that's a big one. I think yeah. I think I'm really enjoying the work that I'm doing more recently around uh, kind of authenticity and um, 
which is all this sort of hero's journey stuff. Um, there's a cracking movie around that called Finding Joe. I'm not sure if you've seen that, but it's a really nice sort of movie that sort of explains, I guess, the, the hero's journey um, and the monomyth and the work of Joseph Campbell. Um, but I, I think the more I – what always blows my mind is, you know, when you get to that stage where it's sort of been layer upon layer upon layer of – insight and then you just sort of see all these dots joining and I, I still get blown away at how much story taps into the kind of key wisdom about humanity and, and what it is to be human and it still just blows my mind and that's why I love exploring it and how people can be moved to tears with a you know a, a pop song on the radio or um, that's just a moment in time where you've allowed the emotion to, to bubble up. So I think it's really still about that authentic expression of who you are and allowing yourself to be sort of emotionally diverse in that. I still blow my mind. I've still got so much to learn about it. And my kids have just come home. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on. Zara, did you have a favourite film? Yeah. What is it, sweetie? Star Wars. Star Wars. I have a good one now. I have a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars as well. Star Wars as well. And oh. that, there's a classic. I mean, George. And my favourite TV show is Batman. Batman. Oh. There you go. Heroes and villains. It's all heroes. Journey all stuff. heroes, villains. Yes. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to the show. Remember, you can also watch the edited highlights on YouTube one week after the full-length version is first published.